It's my privilege to read our reading for tonight, which is from 1 Corinthians on page uh, 1156 in the Church Bibles. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting at verse 35. And the title in my version says, The Resurrection Body. But someone may ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body as he's determined, and to each kind of seed he gives its own body. All flesh is not the same. Men have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds another, and fish another. There are also heavenly bodies, and there are earthly bodies, but the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind, and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, and the stars another, and star differs from star in splendor. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural. And after that, the spiritual. The first man was was of the dust of the earth. The second man, from heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the man from heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we've borne the likeness of the earthly man, so shall we bear the likeness of the man from heaven. I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God for his word. Good, and let's um, have our Bibles back open as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 
I'm going to read to us verse 51 and 52 again, and then I'm going to pray um, before we look at this passage together. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52. Listen, says Paul to the church in Corinth, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. Heavenly Father, thank you that your word is trustworthy and true. Thank you for the little glimpse of the future that we get here, that wonderful day of transformation, of glorification, the day when we see our Saviour face to face, and in the twinkling of an eye, your people are changed for all eternity. Heavenly Father, as we consider some of these truths this evening, I pray that you give us minds not only to engage with what you have to say, but I pray that you give us hearts that are ready to embrace this, Lord, that we'd be excited as we leave here by the vision of the future that you've given to us and the promise that is ours through faith in Christ. So help us this evening, we pray to this end. Amen. Amen. Now, before I launch into my um, opening illustration, I want to go on record as saying... I love my in-laws, yet they baffle me. They really do baffle me because they could not be more different in so many ways. See, John Smy, John and Sue Smy, father and mother of Han down there, John Smy is a classic potterer. He just potters around the house. I'm not quite sure what he does, but he starts loads of things and leaves them unfinished. And when he's halfway through... He thinks of something else to start. So there's projects in the garden, there's projects in the house, there's stuff everywhere that he started and he's never finished anything. I remember the first time I went round there three years ago and I saw the plans for the new patio, all the architecture plans. About a year on, they'd laid a trial slab in the middle of the patio. Another two years on, there's just one trial slab still there in the middle of the patio. The skirting board's still going on. He started that 13 years ago. Um, when they moved in. And so whenever you wander around the house, you just see little glimpses of these lovely projects that John Smy started, and he's not yet finished. Yet Sue Smy, on the other hand, she's a classic completer finisher. So she's got a little wad of paper held together with a big bulldog clip uh, by the phone in the kitchen. Every morning she writes a list of everything that needs to be done, and nothing, Helen's smiling at me, because I think this is Helen as well, Nothing gives Sue Smy greater pleasure than ticking things off a list and thinking, that is done, magnificent. I think the only thing that's not ticked off on a list is the list that she started writing for John. But here's the point of the story. One hand, you've got John, starts loads of things, never finishes them. On the other hand, you've got Sue, who is committed to finishing what she's started. And see... In these evening services, as we've looked at this wonderful process of salvation, the work of God in the heart of a human being, thank God that he's more like Sue Smy than John Smy. Because God is committed. He is committed to finishing what he has started in our lives. He is committed to completing what he has begun in the lives of believers. What he initiated in election before the very foundation of this earth. 
He continues in calling people to himself. He continues in justifying people, declaring them in the right with God. He continues in adoption to bring them into his family. He continues in sanctification as he changes them, as he transforms them into the likeness of Christ. And one day, he will complete in glorification. The final act of God in salvation when he brings to completion everything that he has started and continuing in our lives. What a day that will be. When we cross the threshold of heaven and we leave the presence of sin behind and God clothes us in new, glorious resurrection bodies and fits us for an eternity with him in heaven. What a moment that will be. And that's the moment on Paul's heart as he writes verse 51 and 52. Listen, he says, I'll tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. You see, when the trumpet sounds, the trumpet marks the return of Christ to this world. For Jesus has died, he's risen, he's ascended into glory, and one day he's going to come back, and it will be marked by the sharp blast of a trumpet when Jesus returns and on that day he's going to gather up all those who are his all those who have not yet fallen asleep the Christians that are still alive when Jesus returns and all those believers that have died trusting in Jesus he's going to gather them all together on one momentous day and in a flash in a twinkling of an eye when we see our saviour face to face we shall be changed and we shall be given new physical resurrection bodies fit for the new creation what a day that will be I hope as we look at these truths this evening it will make you smile because it made me smile preparing it because you see these aren't abstract things they're not irrelevances this is real For the Christian, this is a reality. This is going to happen. I'm going to stand before King Jesus on that last day. Whether he comes back when I'm still alive or whether I go to meet him when I die, I will stand before him. And in a flash, in a twinkling of an eye, I'll be changed forever. And so will all those that put their trust in Jesus. What a day that will be. Before we look into the details, of what that resurrection body will be like, because that's Paul's concern in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I think it'll be helpful to pause for just a moment and consider the original listeners, the church in Corinth, to understand the situation they were in. Because you see, the prevailing culture at the time, the prominent Greek thought, would have contradicted this completely. Because in the Greek mind... Physical things were evil. Physical things were evil. And so for the Greeks, this wasn't only a ludicrous truth, it was, it was something they didn't even want. Because for them, salvation was freedom from the body. Within Greek thought at this time where the church in Corinth was, salvation was liberation from the body. The physical body was almost a prison for the soul and they waited a day when the soul was free from the body because physical things were evil things in the thoughts of the Greeks. But in stark contrast, the Bible says no. From the very beginning, 
God has been concerned about the physical. He made a physical world, right? Genesis chapter 1 and 2. A physical, ordered world. And do you remember what he pronounced upon that world? It is good. It is good. It is good. It is very good. God made physical things good. They were part of God's good world. They're not evil things. Yes, they're broken. Yes, they're corrupt now. But he made them good. And God says in the same way, there is a physical world to come, a new creation to come, a physical world, and that will be good as well. And it makes sense, therefore, doesn't it, says Paul, that if we're going to live in that new physical world forever, then he's going to give us new physical resurrection bodies to be a part of that world. And our guarantee, what's our guarantee? Well, in the first half of chapter 15, before we arrive at our verses tonight, the guarantee is Jesus. Because Jesus died physically. Jesus rose physically. And he says, so it will be for you. If you trust in me, if you trust in my death and my resurrection, you too will be raised physically to live with me in that new world. And so the question that we must be addressing now as we arrive at verse 35, isn't whether there is a resurrection. Paul has made it abundantly clear there is a resurrection to come. The question now in verse 35 is what will these resurrection bodies be like? Look, verse 35. Someone may ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? See, this I think is a question from the sceptics. The Greeks that were hanging around the church at the time and they were mocking Paul. You see, this isn't a genuine question. You can see that by Paul's response in verse 36. How foolish he says. These are people that are mocking the concept of the resurrection. Skeptics that are saying, Paul, how can you be so stupid? Why on earth do you even want a physical resurrection? Paul says to them, how foolish you are. How foolish you are to so easily dismiss not even the possibility but the reality of a physical resurrection and he goes on to help us understand what the nature what the quality of this physical resurrection body will actually be like and he uses two illustrations that we're going to look at this evening the first illustration look is an illustration from nature you see it there in verse 36 He uses this analogy of a seed. You can hear all that language about sowing and about growing. He uses the illustration of a seed from which springs forth new life to help us understand what these resurrection bodies will be like that one day we're actually going to be given. Let me read it to you. Verse 36. How foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. You see, God is in the business of bringing life out of death. Just look around, he says. Look around at the harvest fields. Ever been there, time of harvest? And there's fields of golden corn all over the place. Life, abundance, richness. He says, take a look around. Where does that life come from? Where do those fields of corn come from? Dead corn. Because the corn that was living dies. And the seed of that corn, it goes back into the ground and it decays. 
But from the seed of that corn, there is an abundance of life that comes forth in its place. And Paul says, it's exactly the same with the resurrection of the dead, with me physically. One day, like the corn, I'll die. I will. But the seed of this body will go to the ground. This body will decay. But God says, from the seed of this body, he'll bring new life. He will clothe me with a new physical body, just like that kernel of wheat is clothed with a new physical body. And as he goes on to say, this new physical body that we shall have is both similar, yet superior to the ones that we will leave behind. There is both a continuity. There's a continuity between this life and the next. There's a continuity with this body that I'll leave behind and the new body that I'll receive. But in the same breath, there is a huge discontinuity because the body we shall receive will be greatly superior to the one that we leave behind. But as we look at the body that we receive being similar, have a look with me. Verse 38. But God gives it a body as he is determined. And to each kind of seed, he gives its own body. All flesh is not the same. Men have one kind of flesh. Animals, another. Birds, another. Fish, another. Here's the deal. There's lots of forms, lots of types of bodies, lots of diversity of life in this world. Pack of tomato seeds. Here they are, purchased today from Bistro Avenue. See the tomatoes on the front? These are where these seeds came from. Here's a pretty basic GCSE biology question for you. If I was to plant... One of these tomato seeds in a grow bag in my greenhouse, what should I expect to grow up? Tomatoes. It's simple, isn't it? If the seed comes from a tomato, what is going to grow forth out of that seed? Another tomato. If I planted a pumpkin seed in my grow bag and it grew forth, I should expect pumpkins to appear. Because what comes forth from the seed is similar to what was left behind. It's not the same. It won't be identical to the tomato that it came from, but it will be of a similar form. It will be like the original. And it is the same, says Paul, with the resurrection body. Just look at the person of Jesus. Turn with me to John chapter 20, if you would. Jesus is the perfect example of this. John chapter 20, verse 15. You may be familiar with this little story. Mary Magdalene, she arrives at the tomb to address the body of Jesus and she finds the tomb empty. And so she's weeping. But in verse 15, we hear the voice of Jesus behind us saying this, Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbanai, which means teacher. Mary turns round and she sees Jesus. She recognises Jesus because Jesus' physical resurrection body is similar to the one he left behind. It's not the same as you read on in John. It can do remarkably more things. It's not identical, but it's of the same mould as the one he left behind. And this is the pattern throughout Scripture. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. I'm going to dot around a little bit at this stage. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, I'm going to read it out to you anyway. Verse 19 and 20. Paul writes into the church in Thessalonica. This is what he says. For what is our hope, our joy, 
or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ when he comes, is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. Paul says, what is going to be one of my great joys on that day when Jesus Christ comes back? He says, it's you guys in Thessalonica, it's you. It's the people I first told the gospel to, people who I saw come to faith, people who I shared my life with, and one of the great joys for Paul in heaven on that final day, second only maybe to seeing Jesus, is to see the people from Thessalonica and his heart to be filled with joy as he is reconciled with fellow believers, people that he has seen come to know Christ. That day of reconciliation, why? Because Paul will recognise them. They won't be foreigners to him. Because in some remarkable way, their bodies will bear the same resemblance as the ones that left behind. Because the life to come is a continuity, in some way, of the life that we leave behind. What a lovely truth that is, is it not? That we will recognise believers in glory, because in some way, just like the tomato seed, when the seed of this body goes to the ground... From it, God will give me a new form and a new body that in some way will be similar to the one that I left behind. Yet, in the same breath, Paul says the body to come is going to be remarkably superior. Similar, yes, but not the same. Remarkably superior. Flip back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 because this is Paul's main point in this passage. Verse 40 and 41, there are also heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another and the stars another and star differs from star in splendor. There are different levels of splendor, different levels of brightness, different levels of glory. And the splendour of the heavenly things is greater than the splendour of the earthly things. And Paul says in verse 42, so will it be with the resurrection of the dead. Because the body that is sown, the old body, is perishable. But the body that I'm going to be given, the new body, is of a different level of splendour. It is imperishable. The body that is sown, the old body... It is sown in dishonour. But the new body, it is raised in glory. The old body, the fragile frame I have near, here it is, it is sown in weakness, but it will be raised in power. Can you see the contrast that Paul is making? Yes, in some way, the new resurrection body will bear some resemblance to the one I've left behind, but it will be majestically superior. I mean, just pause for one moment on that first little phrase there. The body that is sown is perishable, yet it is raised imperishable. We know this, don't we? I don't need to convince you of the fact that from the moment I am born, my body is going wrong. It is perishing. I'm prone to illness and sickness and disease and things that were working don't work as well and eventually they'll stop working because the human body is fragile and it is frail and it is mortal And it will perish. It will perish. But God says the body we're going to have is imperishable. Imperishable. Handworks at Stoke Mandeville 
physio outpatients, but she does one weekend a week where she works on call in the respiratory ward at Stoke Mandeville. And it's a fairly common occurrence that in the night, Ham will get called out to help someone with a respiratory problem to get stuff off their lungs. And probably three or four times in the last year, the person hasn't been alive by the morning. You see, this is the reality of the human body. For some reason, things give up. The lungs stop working. Our bodies are perishing. went out for a run today and hurt my calf again. Something so small. But just a reminder, my body stops working. Things don't work quite as well, even at my age as they used to. They don't. Because the body is frail and it is fragile. For those of you who are regular here, you'll know that just under a year ago, we had a uh, tragedy up in Scotland on our Christians in Sport Gap here where Craig Cathy, aged 19, hit his head when we were walking and he died. And I was in hospital with his mum and dad for two days when he was on the machine. And I was there just after they turned the machine off. And I watched with my own eyes his body go pale. You could see it. Over the course of ten minutes, you could see the life drain from his body. It was visible to my very eyes. Where's Craig Cathy? He's a Christian. Where's his old body now? It's in a cemetery, decaying just outside Glasgow. Paul says, don't fear, Craig Cathy. The seed of your old body has gone to the ground. I'm going to clothe you with a new body. And it's imperishable. It's imperishable. It is unaffected by sickness and disease and illness. It cannot go wrong. It is not weak. It is not dishonourable. It is glorious. It is magnificent. It is supreme above anything you can ever imagine. And Paul says, it shall be yours. Not just you, Craig Cathy. But any person that trusts in the Lord Jesus Christ, one day we will be clothed with immortality. Can you imagine that day? Can you fathom it? That one day... I'm not going to have this body here. I'm not. It will go to the ground. And I'm going to get a body that in some strange way is is similar to this one. I'll be recognisable. You'll recognise me. And we'll high-five in heaven and it will be a magnificent moment because I'll recognise you as well because your body in some strange way will be similar to the one that you've got now. But it will be remarkably superior. Remarkably. A body that is fit for an eternal existence. Can you imagine it? And God is committed to finishing what he has started in the life of a believer. He will not leave you like a half-finished patio. He will not. Those he has justified, he will sanctify. Those he is sanctifying, he will glorify. The day will come. Fact. You can't do anything about it if you're a Christian. It's coming your way. Unstoppable, like a nuclear reaction. It's begun. And there is going to be a big bang on that final day. When the trumpet blasts, the Lord Jesus comes back and he will gather together all those who are his. And in a flash, in a twinkling of an eye, we will be changed. God is committed to finishing what he started in the life of a believer. That's the first illustration, and by far the longest. He uses the illustration from nature of the seed from which the new body will come. The second illustration, much shorter, is an illustration from Adam, the first man. 
our father in some senses. The illustration from Adam. Have a look at verse 47. The first man, Adam, was of the dust of the earth. The second man, from heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the likeness of earthly man, so shall we bear the likeness of the man from heaven. You see, as people born of Adam, it's where we've come from ultimately, we share in his likeness. We share in his sinfulness. We're all sinners, like Adam. We share in his brokenness. We share in his frailty. We share in his mortality. We share in his perishability. We share in the fact that to dust we will return. We share in that because we are born of Adam. But for the Christian, we're not just in the likeness of Adam. The Christian is also in the likeness of Christ. We bear the image of the man from heaven and we will also share in his likeness. I share in all that is Christ's. I will share in his resurrection body. I will share in his inheritance. I will share in his glory in heaven. I will share in all that is Christ through adoption. Because I'm adopted into God's family. Brothers with Christ now. And I will share in all that is his. And so this is the weird tension we live in, isn't it, as Christians? That I share in the likeness of Adam and I still experience the frailty and the mortality and the pain and the disappointment of life. I share in those things still. Yet I share in the likeness of Christ. And one day we'll know what that really looks like to share in his likeness when we are transformed in that moment fully into his likeness and we are given bodies that will never fail to explore his new created order. And the song that will go out on that day is a song of verse 54 onwards, isn't it? When the perishable, when this day comes... When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? It's gone. There is no victory for death because Christ has conquered the grave. And there is no sting. There's no sting. Death doesn't hurt anymore for the Christian. It's painful for those left behind. But it's not going to be painful for me. Death's just going to take me to be with my Saviour forever in a better world than this one. Sting of death's gone. And it should leave us with nothing else to say in our hearts but to echo Paul in verse, 30, in verse 57. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Just going to read out Philippians 3, verse 20 and 21 as well. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Heavenly Father, thank you that the truths that we've considered this evening are are no pipe dream, they're no possibility, they are a certainty Father for those who trust in Christ this is a vision of the future this is a reality 
that will come the way of all those that have trusted in the Lord Jesus. Thank you for that day of transformation, that day of glorification. Thank you that you're a God who is committed to your promises and will complete what you've started in our lives. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus who has gone before us and has died physically for our sin. But Father, we thank you that he too has been raised physically as a pattern of what will happen to us as well on that final day. Father, it is my prayer now that as we consider these truths, as they maybe warm our hearts in a world that is frail and broken by sin, to consider a world that will not be broken by sin and cannot be affected by the the brokenness of this world. Lord, we, we long for that day. We long for the day when we see you. We long for the day when we see other believing friends and family in glory, Father. And we pray that until that day arrives, until the day we see you and in a flash we are changed into your likeness, we pray that we would be your people here on this earth, that we would live and speak and love in light of this great future reality. To the glory of your name we pray. Amen.